0: Welcome to your digital reputation. Here's your host, Roger Christie. Hello, and thanks for joining us. My name's Roger Christie, founder of Propel and LinkedIn advisor to leaders who know the value of a strong digital reputation. And today I have a very special guest in the studio for our final guest episode of 2023 someone I regularly hold up as best practice when talking to clients and whose LinkedIn journey has been followed by millions. And the timing couldn't be better. Propel has just released its second digital reputation report, looking at the ways our most senior public servants use LinkedIn as a strategic communications tool. The results are fascinating. They reveal there are public sector leaders who have absolutely grabbed the LinkedIn opportunity with both hands, but the findings also reveal there are many others who still stand to benefit by being more visible online. So who better to join me in the YDR studio and unpack this topic than the Honourable Victor Dominello, former New South Wales Minister for Digital Government, board member for the Tech Council of Australia, and chair of Minister Gallagher's Digital Identity Panel and Minister Shorten's MyGov Advisory Group. He's also the co-founder of digital transformation partner ServiceGen. Victor, welcome to the Your Digital Reputation podcast. Thanks, Roger. It's a real pleasure to have you here, and there's plenty I'm keen to cover with you in today's episode. I mean, given your own use of social media, and I think also particularly the interest that people have in in the way that you've done things over the years, but perhaps as we set the scene for all that, I I want to go back a few years, and you became the member for Ride way back in 2008, and community obviously sits at the core of local politics, And, and I'm interested to know, was that community connection the natural driver for you to take an interest in
1: social media? No, in the sense that I didn't really want social media initially. Like When it came about, I, I was thinking, oh, what's this new thing? Like You're always busy in the office. There's always something new on the horizon. It was only when my staff said to me at the time, look, you really have to start putting more effort into this. It, this is starting to grow. It's going to take off. I thought, okay, well, I'll start dabbling with it. And then, then I realized actually there was a real you know, potential here to communicate to an audience that ordinarily I couldn't reach.
0: And what's interesting about what you've done since then, and it, it is interesting to hear that originally, I wouldn't say maybe a skeptic, but certainly not a, uh, maybe a reluctant participant. Yeah, is right. that a-
1: <laughs> I, It was a fair, that's fair description. I was a reluctant participant. Like, and most politicians would have been back then, like, mm. you're so busy. You know, you're always got meetings, letters, emails, phone calls, events, like, and there's another channel we have to deal with At then, most politicians, including myself, would have thought, oh, jeez, what else do we have to do now?
0: And what's interesting about that, if you look at that, or as an outside observer, if I knew that was your origin, your starting point, and if I look at the way that you use social media today, what I find interesting is there's a real human, authentic approach to the way you do it, which doesn't strike me as someone who is initially reluctant. So, And I think the other thing too is that, it seems that that personal element, the personal story is part of what you've always done. And, and, and to a degree, that personal storytelling. So why did you decide to bring your background into things, your personal passions, and even many stories involving your mum? Why is that part of your social media
1: approach? It's who I am. I don't have a social media approach and a non-social media approach. I just say it as it is, to be honest. like It's, it's really hard to put on a mask. It's really hard work. So the best thing to do is be you. I tend to do that. So when I'm having meetings with people, yeah, I'll talk about my mum. That's an interesting perspective. I was catching up with mum the other day and she had an issue with this and she represents a cohort of people. Or If you're authentic, if you're true to yourself, then people can see that. People aren't mugs. And I think people relate to that as well. I say, yeah, okay, I can relate to this bloke. He's got struggles. He's got challenges. He's got frustrations. He's got family. So I think that's an important part of it.
0: I think that consistency, I mean, that's the word that strikes me. We, we talk about consistency and symmetry, yeah. online or offline, being the same person because I agree with you. I think people sometimes do try to put that mask on, yeah, it's hard particularly in the online. And it's exhausting because yeah. you're then trying to keep up a facade forever. And even if you think about it at a really kind of tactical or granular level, the example, the obvious example is if someone's writing content for you all the time, that person's job is to maintain a consistent <laughs> exactly. voice. Now, if that if that doesn't gel with your offline <laughs> voice right. and conversation, it makes it really hard and, and tiring. And I want to actually, given that, given the, the authenticity angle, the consistency that you have being yourself online, offline, I want to pick up on one specific post that you wrote a little while ago. It was actually your final speech to parliament and you shared it on LinkedIn. And you started by quoting the book of Luke chapter 12, verse 48, where it says, to whom much is given... Much will be required. And you then referenced your failures. You recognized your family, your colleagues, your community, and you acknowledged that you're an almost invisible speck in space and time. And you also included, importantly, your Batman cufflinks in the photo. <laughs> so, contrary to how many other leaders view social media, you know, this sort of self serving, chest beating, I can pretend to be something environment, you appear incredibly intentional in recognizing and celebrating others and never putting yourself on a pedestal. In fact, you almost humble and humanize yourself.
1: Why? Because we are just specks in space and time. <laughs> yeah, that's the reality. Particularly in politics, you get a very privileged position and you have people coming up and asking you all the time and you're always in the VIP section. It's very easy to get swept away with all of that. But the reality is we all end up as part of the soil. So I think it's just healthy to remember where we are in space and time and just to do our bit, that's all.
0: And I think that, that, that ethos is interesting because then if you take that into the social media environment, your ears are tuned to listening and hearing feedback yeah. from others. You're not seeing yourself separate and above. You're seeing yourself no, as a participant I'm, I'm in the community. Part, I am
1: part of a tribe. Mm. I, love, I love the tribe I'm part of. This tribe that wants more improvement when it comes to government service delivery. I love being part of that tribe. Like I would often joke, If our tribe had a conversation at a dinner party, we'd be talking all night. But if I go and have a conversation with a normal group, they think I'm boring. But our tribe wants to change the world. I I love it.
0: And through social media in particular, you get this kind of – Unlimited access and unlimited scale. and
1: inspiring people as well. Like, And seriously smart people, particularly in in social media and LinkedIn, super, super bright people, very constructive in their feedback. You know, I I can't respond to everything, but I definitely read everything. And the amount of times I think, that's a damn good idea. Wow, how can I feed that into something further downstream? So it's been very two-way relationship. I'm the beneficiary of it in many ways.
0: and I love that mentality and I think that's a great kind of segue point to our digital reputation report, which we just put out recently, because in that we did find some interesting things about, one, the level of visibility, then the level of broadcast, and then the level of participation amongst leaders. So, if I can get your perspective on a few key stats that that came out of the report. So, of the 100 plus public sector leaders we looked at, 65% had a LinkedIn profile, but 45%, nearly half of those were dormant in the analysis period over six months. And in fact, just 36% of all leaders had posted within that six-month window. And 20% of all the leaders analyzed contributed 96% of all original posts. Oh. So, what that says to me is 80% yeah. contributed four. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you can see the line share is going there. And for me, the most important finding of all, and this ties in beautifully with your own example, the report showed that human posts generate seven and a half times more public engagement than work posts for those senior public servants. Yet, Leaders are 13 times more likely to talk about work than human issues.
1: Why do you think that is? Well, it's safe. When you're talking about work, guardrails in place, this is what you're talking about. And you know, it's, when you're talking about work, you, it's harder to be vulnerable in many ways because then you're going to have to show the books and say, this is a failure, right? And that's why people don't talk about their vulnerabilities when they're in work mode. You know, it's just, this is what we're doing. Here's a standard script. Bang, bang, bang. And anybody could write that script, but when you're talking about yourself, then you've got to open up a bit. You've got to share a bit about yourself, and that's that's
0: harder. How do you walk that fine line between, while still talking about work or professional things, and bringing your personal story and finding that that fine line? Can you be too personal? Is there is there risk involved there? Yeah,
1: there is risk involved there. That's a really good question. You do you ultimately like? You've got to find out where you feel comfortable. Like I remember writing a post uh, about. You know, when I went through about a bout of depression, when my dad passed away, and that was quite personal, you know, I thought I've got this group of people that I, I want to share things with. And if there's somebody that can get benefit out of that, well, then, then I'm hopefully helping somebody else out. But, you know, that's not for everyone to share that type of information. What I try to do is I just live life like everybody else. I catch the train like everybody else. I have frustrations like everybody else. I see a paper form. It's not like when you're a minister, they get rid of all the paper forms. I still have to fill out the damn things. It frustrates me probably more than most because I realised back then I actually had an ability to to do something about it. So you know, when I saw this wretched process, I'm thinking. You idiot, do something about it. But then ultimately, it all boils down to priorities because you can't change everything. That's the hardest job, identifying what you're going to change.
0: But knowing that you've got this you know, essentially extension arm of any internal thoughts you have, I know that there's a community out there of people who are smart and have their own experience, their own oh, expertise, yeah. and they can share, as you were saying before, these ideas to solve some of the complex problems that we can't do on our own. And you've got that that tribe, as you were talking about there, as a bit of a sounding board and people love who can contribute ideas.
1: Love it. I'll give you a, a most recent example. And this was after my political life. I was coming back from overseas and uh, fill out the passenger declaration. Yep. A paper you can barely read. So some of the comments were, I don't even carry a pen anymore. I was thinking- You're right. I don't even I had to borrow a pen. I didn't put that in the in the post, but I thought that's damn right. And then somebody wrote, Oh, the reason they tried to do it in Australia, but it's too hard. You know, just it's just too hard. Then somebody else wrote, Oh no, they've just done it in New Zealand. So, you know, I'm thinking, great, let's have a look at New Zealand. So that then led me to a chain of inquiry. New Zealand's done it. So it's that type of Input, I think, wow! Particularly as a minister or somebody in leadership, there are a whole lot of ideas out there, or uh, you know, new avenues, new doors to open, that the LinkedIn community in particular are very good at. That's a brilliant example.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Your Digital Reputation Podcast. Now, whether this is your very first episode or you're a fully fledged subscriber. I want to share an exclusive invitation with you. I want to invite you to join the one program that will help you take greater control of your digital reputation and help you kick some real goals on LinkedIn. It's our Your Digital Reputation LinkedIn for Leaders program, a one-month program built off the back of hundreds of conversations with leaders and 30,000-odd hours advising them on LinkedIn. By joining the program, you'll get access to a range of planning frameworks, best practice guidelines, and one-on-one coaching with me, Roger Christie, to help you avoid common LinkedIn mistakes and get real value for your efforts all that value in just one month to ensure you're set up for success well into the future. So what are you waiting for? If you're looking for a LinkedIn for Leaders program, feel free to hit pause on this episode right now and drop me an email at rchristie at propelgroup.com.au or go to www.propelgroup.com.au for more details. I'd love to help you amplify your impact and show you just how powerful a business tool LinkedIn can be. All right, back to this episode. I want to come back to the point you made also about you do you, because I think that's a really simple but important message. If we're talking to leaders and they feel uncomfortable about being overly vulnerable or overly personal, I think you do you is a great mantra because, again, consistency. If there are certain things that I wouldn't share in a room of people or at a town hall, why would I then share them 100%. online and vice versa? 100%. And the example, a couple of examples come to mind from the report. Kirsten Fishburne from the New South Wales Department yeah, 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 of the yeah, Planning yeah, Environment yeah, shared yeah. about her breast cancer experience yeah, and treatment. Exactly. Some, and some people would be terrified yeah, to share that experience yeah, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah. She obviously felt, as you've just said there yeah. with your depression example, if this can help someone else who might be going through it, here is a platform that I have to be able to impact thousands, if not more people, and give them a sense of encouragement. Give them hope. Why wouldn't I take that opportunity? Now, if you're not comfortable with that level of personal and vulnerable, that's fine. That's your journey. You do you, exactly. That's your journey. And Susan Pierce at New South Wales Health shared that wonderful post, which is just her with Dr. Kerry Chant. At the time that the vaccine had been approved to be rolled out, they're standing behind a cake. And there's a big sense of relief on her face. And you just, you get that human connection. This isn't me saying, congratulations, it's the anniversary of the vaccine rollout. This is me saying, look at the relief on my face as this is finally, that particular barrier has been jumped over. So I just think people can find their own level of personal. It doesn't have to be overly revealing. I
1: agree. And it's like me with the Batman cufflinks, right? I drive everyone mad. Everyone in my (laughs) office knows I am a Batman, or more importantly, Dark Knight. Just tragic. I put it in everywhere I can. It's because I do that in my real life, not just in social life. I do it consistently throughout.
0: I'm the same with socks. So I know, I know we can't see the socks today, but <laughs> I'm wearing my fancy socks because I think they're brilliant. You, you've got to have those individual elements exactly. of your personality. Exactly. One of the things you've, you've touched on earlier, and I think you know, coming through this conversation, there's really intentional effort here, and it comes naturally. I get that sense, but there's effort and there's time involved. And I'm sure people listening are going, Great for Victor. I don't have the time, or I can't fit it in with, as you were saying, all the different engagements, the letters, the events, whatever it is that I've got to be doing. At the height of your political roles, you still found time to do this. How did you manage to stay visible and active on LinkedIn?
1: I made time because it was such an important medium for me. I was never one of those super high-profile ministers, like a health or an education or you know police or transport, that have all the big mega budgets. When I try to pitch a story. So one of the TVs or you know, the, the papers or whatever, you know, traditional media, it was much, much harder to say, here's a damn form that we're going to fix this pain point. Like media I think, oh, that's not very sexy, to be honest. But when I was complaining about this frustration on LinkedIn, it was amazing how the tribe spoke and said, yeah, we want this fixed and now, like yesterday, and keep going hard. So I realized that I could get a little bit of media here, but I could actually tell the story here far more effectively, and more importantly, a lot more input coming back. That was so valuable for me. I made time because that was for me. There are three things you have to do, from my perspective at least, as a leader. One, you've got to help set the vision. Because, you know, you stand on the shoulders of giants. So when you get to see where the blue sky is, where the storm clouds are, and therefore you have an obligation to help. If you're not good at vision, have an obligation to at least help frame it up. The second thing you got to do is you got to make sure that the vision gets implemented. Otherwise it's just a dream or a nightmare, as the case may be. So make sure your thing gets implemented. Then the third thing is to communicate both the vision and the implementation. It's working. It's not working. It's a pilot. We've got to fix it. People want to know where this journey is going and they want to be part of the journey at once. I would want to be part of the journey. So you make time. It's an important part of any leader in my view.
0: What I like about that, I mean, I've got the words of Martin Stewart Weeks ringing in my ears, this idea of small stories connected to the bigger agenda. And I think what, as you've described there, the challenge with mainstream media is, yeah, the big ideas, the big moments, for sure, Sure. that's an opportunity. But as you are saying, taking people on the journey with you and communicating that implementation, the things that work, the things that don't, the things you need help with. So I think that those small stories, that drip, drip, drip approach builds that visibility, builds that connection, and ultimately builds... Build that trust with key audiences. That's actually a nice way to connect to with your current venture. So ServiceGen, I want to talk a little bit about that. And it's very much focused on helping governments build citizen trust, but through service excellence or what might be considered you know, competence, doing, doing our job well. How important is it for sector leaders in particular to also showcase their warmth in building trust with key audiences around those transformation programs and agendas? And what role does LinkedIn
1: play there? It's critical. Like The thing that I always struggled with when I was growing up was the chicken and the egg, i.e. the two massive levers of humanity is uh, education and uh, health, right? But which is more important? I've resolved that it is education. And why is it education for me? It's because Doctors need to be educated. You can't have the best health unless doctors are educated. So education is the number one pillar. And that's why I want Service Gen to, to first-party question, to focus on that helping build capability in the public sector so that when they are on that digital journey, that transformation journey, they can really embrace it because we know how hard it is. We've got a lot of scars issues, so we can share those. And I think when I talks to senior public servants, I do say you need to have that warmth. You need to be empathetic. Think about the classic components of an argument. It's a logos, pathos, ethos. You've got to have the logic. You also have to have the empathy. If you don't have the empathy, then there's no stickiness to it. It's just like transactional. And so I think leaders need to be rich with empathy.
0: I think that's a really nice way of breaking it down because if I look back at the the way that I've interpreted your content. There is a lot around that empathy. And as you said, sharing your frustrations and sharing the things that haven't worked and even things that might be a byproduct of of previous leadership And, and looking at that through a human experience and saying, no, this isn't appropriate. The passenger card, we can do better kind of thing and sharing that experience. So I completely agree. And I suppose the report that we've done and your experience here is only reinforcing for me the importance of bringing that warmth into the conversation. If you've got to a position of senior leadership there's no doubt you're capable there's no doubt that you're exactly. a competent technically exactly people yeah. want to see the person behind the title I agree they want to connect with you on a values level they want to know what makes you tick 100% and linkedin as you said before is that you know drip 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 it's that opportunity to regularly engage and connect and build trust with people which i think yeah is a really important thing for for others to remember
1: and what you said before, Roger, around consistency, I think that's so important as well. Like, And again, if you're true to yourself, you're going to be consistent. But if people say, hold it, this person's talking about this one day and then another thing, and there's no consistency to it, people can read through that. I think
0: that's actually a really good point. There's there's two things I call out there. I want to come back to authenticity because that's a bit of a a buzzword that people get frustrated by. But as you're saying, if you're regularly turning up and regularly participating in conversations, that consistency, even if your perspective changes, you can see the change. You can see that change with visible footprints, digital breadcrumbs, as we like to talk about them online. Whereas if you just turn up for the big announcements, suddenly there can be a massive shift in your view and people are going, wait, why? even if you've been reading and consuming and absorbing and that's changing your perspective behind the scenes, if you're then not turning up and telling people, this is how my view is now shaped or formed, yeah. all of a sudden it's a big surprise for yeah, them. And I think that big reveal can, can shock and unsettle people. But I want to come back to this idea of authenticity because, yeah, some people hate that word. And I think exactly how you've described it is the way it is. If I'm being authentic, I'm just being myself. <laughs> just be <yourself. laughs> I'm not trying to manufacture. Life, life's
1: hard enough as it is you know, <laughs> without manufacturing. You know, absolutely unless, does yeah, absolutely. No, I've got time for that.
0: When people hear that word authenticity, hear just being yourself. Yeah, yeah. You do you, and I think
1: that would yeah save a lot of time and angst. Yeah, and, and I was thinking about some of the posts I, I made. Like I've changed course a couple of times. or oh, many many times. Sometimes I would actually write about it and say in the middle of the place. You know what? I've changed my mind on this all these reasons. I used to be really steadfast on this, but on on reflection, I was wrong. And now I'm now... And I think people relate to that and say, well, good, that's human. It's okay to change. We should be
0: allowed to. And and leaders, I think, set an example there too, which is a really important point. So, Perhaps as a as a final encouragement, Victor, to other leaders listening, if you were going to pick one or two things, and it's entirely up to you, but what would you say are the greatest benefits you've gained from being active on LinkedIn?
1: For starters, insights. Like, uh, again, the insights I get back from the community are just invaluable. That's the first thing. Second, and I hadn't really thought about it in this way, but I'll express it thus, community. It's actually... It's a great community. It's great to find your tribe. Yeah, the LinkedIn community is, is a tribe. It's not like I've got millions and millions and billions of followers. The people that are part of the platform, I, and I'm just one of them, I, you know, I just it's my name, but also I'm just one of them, uh, one of us. Yeah, it's having that sense of community. It's good to know that you're on the journey with other people. You know, it's interesting.
0: When I looked at that, the final speech department, I looked at that yeah. post, I remember thinking, what a great way to kind of sign off, if I can call it that. What a great way. Short, succinct. But what was really interesting, I then looked through some of the comments and I remember seeing one particular person who several months earlier had been a detractor (laughs) of you and of the department. And I remember that. I remember looking and going, how interesting to see this same person who wrote quite a lengthy post criticizing certain processes within government, turning up and saying, You've been an absolute champion, Victor. No, Good luck. Yeah. And, and little things like that. This is, this is it. By turning up and being ourselves, we're not going to change all hearts and minds. Yeah. But if you turn up consistently and you are yourself and you are empathetic – what social media does, gives you the opportunity to access and scale yeah, 100%. that yeah. approach to leadership. Yeah. And you set an example for others. And so even staunch detractors can be turned around and but become again, fans. But
1: again, Roger, it's that sense of community. Mm. Like, you know, it's very lonely doing things, particularly in the transformation realm, because it's hard. But knowing that there's this community that are willing you on and they're all part of the same journey, that is mm. very precious support. It's only when you ask the question that I'm actually starting to think about it more deeply. That would be the most important thing for me, that sense of community.
0: I hope others hear that message, Victor, because, yeah, it is. It's a wonderful community. Collab- yeah, it's a great Collaborative matter. community. Yeah. I really appreciate your transparency, your candor, your authenticity. If I can use that word in sharing your experience and advice with others. And I want to say personally that I hope more people look at the way you've used LinkedIn as a strategic communications tool, not to build yourself up, but as you said there, To listen and learn from the community around you. I think that's really, really important. And as you wrote in our digital reputation report recently, curating an effective digital reputation is now an inescapable part of good public leadership. And after our chat today, I'm hoping that those leaders listening, they see that inescapable responsibility actually is an immense opportunity for themselves and their organisation. So thank you your time and if you're a leader or advisor listening today regardless of whether you work in the public sector or not i hope this final guest episode for the year has inspired you to get more active and purposeful online harnessing the benefits of a platform like linkedin as Victor's shown us it's entirely possible it's powerful and it's yours for the taking so please do reach out on linkedin with any questions or comments as always i look forward to unpacking victor's advice in our final practical reflection for the year and until then Thanks, as always, for joining me on the Your Digital Reputation podcast. Thanks again for listening. If you've learned something from today's conversation, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with others. For all show notes, head to propelgroup.com.au. Thanks again for listening.